0: A start on demand. on demand we typically try to steer away from US politics we will delve into stories around Donald Trump every once in a while we did so today I think not to would have been irresponsible a video on Twitter and it's gone I know you're tired of this word but it's gone viral over 5 million views in less than 24 hours of a woman flipping through the menu on a touch screen on an airplane in bare feet. Picture of cops and fire paramedics. Constable Rob Carver, the Winnipeg Police Service, saying it may not be what it looks like. A gun was pulled at Health Sciences Center Saturday night, not inside the hospital, but immediately outside the hospital, we will speak to the MGEU, that and so much more coming up. It is the Start On Demand. Let's get right down to business. Now, here is a good memory, powerful memory.
1: In context of the text we just got, it's actually one of those teary, making me a bit teary this morning.
0: <laughs> it's uh, Greg and Lorraine with you on this Tuesday morning. and. We were asking about those moments in time where you felt proud to be a human being and maybe more specifically a Canadian. The last tragically hit concert brought our country together in a huge way.
1: We were talking about the moon landing and about how whether you have anything in your life, if you weren't alive for the moon landing, what what stands out for you is one of those feel-good moments or awe-inspiring or I'll never forget this kind of thing. And not in a bad way. We know there are a lot of... Uh, Crazy things that have happened out there in our lives and that prompted one of our listeners to text in and say, watching the final tragically hip concert on TV along with pretty much every other Canadian was pretty cool.
0: August 20th, 2016. Winnipeg police say a controversial photo that's been making the rounds on social media may not be... What it seems, Loren?
1: You can see that picture on our website, cjob.com, and it shows several paramedics and officers surrounding a man who police say was intoxicated sitting on a bench. At the moment the photo was snapped and that picture was taken on Grand Avenue Friday, it appears to depict the officers and paramedics potentially disrespecting the patient. Some are smiling or laughing, and one of the officers appears to be holding a phone, maybe even taking a photo. So yesterday, Constable Rob Carver said they are investigating what was going on in that picture, that they do know the police were there to take the man to Main Street Project, and they're now in the process of talking or trying to talk to that man and the officers involved. But Constable Carver also cautioned against jumping to conclusions.
2: When a picture like this comes out, it affects everyone in the city, including our own officers. So people are concerned about this. And I was talking to an officer yesterday, and he had seen the picture. And he related it, uh, an incident that I think is, is is really useful for everybody here to hear. So he was dealing with a person who was in meth psychosis and they were being taken by him and his partner to a medical facility to be assessed. And the person that they were dealing with was a woman, was sort of marching. and. One of the things you get to do when you're uh, a frontline, whether it's emergency services personnel from fire paramedic or cops, is you get a sense of empathy and how to deal with people that's very different from the average person. So the officer, uh, and she was in, in pretty good spirits, but very agitated, started kind of marching with her. And she laughed at this, she thought it was funny and it helped them connect. Somebody, a citizen randomly saw this and chastised the officer, for doing that and thought the officer was mocking her. And in fact, it was anything but. He's trying to make sure she feels comfortable with him, trying to make sure she knows that she's safe. Him doing that made her laugh and made him connect with her in a way that they could get her into treatment, not have to use any force, talk to her at a very personal level. Those decisions are made by by people who have lots and lots of experience.
1: So. People may have jumped to conclusions or maybe they haven't. We don't know what happened in that photo, but we do know that there are other possibilities. And so, my question for listeners this morning is where do you sit on this? What do you think was happening in that photo? And do you jump to conclusions when you see pictures and videos and react? like most of us do all a the time. picture
0: is a snapshot in time. If we can question what's going on in a video and say, what was happening 30 seconds before that video? Or, or 30 after. seconds yeah. after, I think we can do it with a photograph. Three,
3: six points, Winnipeg. I will think- Winnipeg is
0: so explosive. The, put the early start by Hamilton defensively. They put him on. Ah, nineteen eighty four. One of the best years of my life.
1: For the music? That's why
0: we're <laughs> No, not for <laughs> the music. Certainly not playing... this music.
1: <laughs> we're playing let's hear it for the boy because that was one of the top hits of 1984 Mm, and let's let's hear it for the bomber boys the
0: blue the boys in blue and gold the winnipeg blue bombers won their first gray cup in 22 years in 1984 it felt like i was going to wait forever but i remember when the bombers clinched the game the game was over sitting in my house in golding street on the bottom stair Crying my eyes out because I thought maybe I would never live to see the <laughs> Bombers win a Grey Cup. Boy, did I have no idea what I was in for in my 30s, 40s, and now uh, as I enter my 50th hey, year. you
1: had the 80s, though.
0: We had the 80s. We won the, the as well. 84, 88, and 1990. And, of course, the Bombers went to the Grey Cup in 92 and 93. So, so. is that a
1: standout? Because we've been asking our listeners yes. this morning, what's kind of those good positive memories that you have like because of the moon landing and the anniversary? What's right. that give you chills moment? So that's one of them for you.
0: Absolutely. And uh, heading with my boys... Not my kids, but my friends, and heading to Valor Road and Portage Avenue, and every time the light turned red on Portage, there was about six of us, and we did the wave. Oh, awesome. And then we would run and give everybody high fives at the, uh, that's at so the intersection. That's so great.
1: That's a fun. That's a good so memory. There we go. I like So there's that. a good
0: memory. We want to hear yours on this uh, 50th anniversary of Apollo 11 and it leaving Earth, and uh, let me tell you, to start this half hour, we could use some lighter conversation uh, in contrast to what's going on. Going on south of the border. The United States right now, Loren McNabb, just I've used this terminology before, but unfortunately it feels as though the chasm is growing. They're a country divided right now.
1: And it feels like daily you're having those moments where you say, did that actually get said Mm. or in this case tweeted? So four Democratic Congresswomen in the U.S. have spoken out against what they're calling President Trump's blatantly racist assault on them. They say it's nothing more than an effort to distract from what they call the president's corrupt administration and inhumane policies towards migrants.
4: It is time for us to stop allowing this president to make a mockery out of our constitution. It's time for
1: us to impeach this president. That was Congresswoman Ilhan Omar responding to a tweet from President Trump, a tweet that said, quote, they should go back and help fix the totally broken and crime-infested places from which they came.
0: He didn't specifically say who he was talking about in that tweet, but his target was for four liberal women of color. Three were born in the United States and all are American citizens. As Global's Jackson Prosco explains, it seems Trump is prepared to make race a key part of his election strategy. They hate our country. They hate it, I think, with a passion.
5: Defending his racist attacks on four minority congresswomen, President Trump cemented his earlier position, calling on them to go back to the countries they came from. These are people
4: that if they don't like it here, they can leave.
5: But Representatives Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar and Ayanna Presley are all U.S. citizens. Three of the four were born in the United States. Trump insists his attacks were not racist, but found few willing to rush to his defense.
6: He relies on racism, division and anti-immigrant sentiment to consolidate power.
5: The president has not shied away from embracing racist tropes in the past, questioning whether Barack Obama was born in America, failing to distance himself from neo-Nazis at a rally in Virginia. You also had people that were very fine people on both sides. Asked Monday if he's okay sharing common cause with white nationalists. It doesn't concern me because many people agree with me. And that may be the point. For Trump, it's all about his re-election strategy. He has actually had one strategy from the first day he has held office. And that is to goose his base, to energize his base, to keep them excited and interested in him. The president's plan? Make the women household names, attack them as extremists, and wait for Democrats to rush to their defense. If they want to gear their wagons around these four people, I think they're going to have a very tough election, because I don't think the people of the United States will stand for it. Jackson Prosco, Global News, Washington.
0: You know, Lorraine, I asked you first thing this morning, do we want to talk about this today? Do we want to talk about it at all? I I think we've done a pretty good job of, of leaving the American political circumstance out of our discussions most mornings, but I would have felt horrible. Ignoring this story because it does feel like a one of those seminal moments in the United States, like, like we're going to decide what's going to happen henceforth. And maybe we've had a lot of those in the last couple of years. But yesterday, it just felt different when I was listening to American radio stations. I love to flip through and to, to see what people are talking about. And, and it feels as though there, there could be a line in the sand drawn here.
1: And. Part of my struggle in even talking about this is the idea of why are we even talking about this? Why would four women or these four congresswomen have to come out and talk about I'm born in the United mm-hmm. States? I'm an American citizen, which we should all know because you can't run in politics unless you have the citizenship of your country. And then to be told to go back to something. It's it's like this. It's like this. Who said that? And then you realize it's the president. And then you're supposed to give that certain weight because it's the president. But you should you shouldn't ignore it, you can't ignore it, and I feel like we're trying to ignore it sometimes because we just are fed up
0: well and i can't imagine that there any there are any people of color in Canada listening to our program this morning that haven't at one point or another heard that phrase from someone go back to where you came from
1: absolutely I, we we've had conversations with uh, several people about the idea that that question of where are you from Mm -hmm. is insulting. And also the go back to where you came from gets, we've, we've seen videos in our own country, right? Where someone's in a,
0: you want me to go back to Brandon? Is is that what you're saying? (laughs) Right. For a lot of people, that's where they were born. Even though they're a person of color, they were, they were born in Canada, but there's this immediate in uh, tension filled situation or, or in a, in a face to face uh, about something ridiculous we go to these dark places uh, in terms of our language. And and I'm, like I say, I'm convinced there isn't a person of color listening to us this morning that hasn't heard some variation of that.
1: It happens all the time and it's insulting. And then now you have a president of the United States saying that. And again, I go back to the idea that it's gotten to the point now, and he's running again, that we're exhausted with what he's saying. And so, so many of us that's are just the, allowing it to That's the to dangerous happen. part. You know, I don't want to talk about Trump anymore. It's just, it's so frustrating. Leave the guy alone. Well, guess what? When, when, when people say things like that, they need to be discussed. But we're, we're shrugging our shoulders now because we're four years in and potentially signing up three years in and America's potentially signing up for another four. And people are too tired to continue down this road.
0: If you want us to leave this alone, two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight, let us know if you've got some feedback. We always love hearing from you, getting great feedback on some of the positive things uh, and, the, and the different moments in time that uh, have defined your life. Loren, you wanted to say something there.
1: Well, just now, Brian just wrote to say, good morning guys, don't talk about Trump, he's a dumb, stupid, racist I'll leave a couple blanks in mm-hmm. here talk about positive things. I hear you Brian here except for if we ignore it where
0: will we be? Where will we be? Anybody bring coffee in to the studio at all? Kelly Moore is here, Jeff Braun is here, yeah. Jeff Forche behind the glass. Jeff
1: where is coffee? That's
0: a good question. That's a great idea. Yeah, I'm not used to seeing you without it. Hey, Forts. before we move along here, who won the Blue Bomber tickets for Friday night's game against the Ottawa, almost said Rough Riders, oh, Red Blacks?
7: Gary Scromita.
0: Gary knew that Joe Poploski caught the touchdown pass from Tom Clements in one of the two touchdown highlight clips that I played for you earlier this morning. We're talking about the things that um, you know, that you remember As a kid or at some point in your life that excited you on this 50th anniversary of Apollo 11 leaving the planet Earth for the moon. But with our friends here, never mind getting on a... Rocket, Rocket ship. ship. <laughs> how about how about airplane decorum? I sent this video to you. I showed it, uh, Loren. I showed it to you this morning, Jeff. A young woman sitting on an aircraft, and she's sitting in the row directly behind the bulkhead. So she's got her TV there, and you know, if you've been on a t- on an airplane recently, you know that you have all these different. Uh, Different um,
1: options on the screen. Thank you.
0: Entertainment options. Well, she's using her foot. Barefoot. To scroll through on the screen, the touch screen. I I can't even believe that it works with the foot. And, uh, well, this has received almost 4 million views in less than 24 hours. And people are typically overall not impressed.
1: It's gross. I will say that. I I have been barefoot on the plane, though. I do take, yeah.
5: Really? Because I think... Grosser than that lady's foot is everything on that airplane. (laughs) Like, I'd be more worried about her picking up something off that screen onto her foot than vice versa.
1: It's just that on a lot of international flights, like uh, going back and forth, the flight could be 12 hours or 13 hours. And so I do take my shoes off.
5: Even to go to the bathroom?
1: I do remember one time when I was much much younger like in my early 20s walking down the the
5: row, the row yeah.
1: and then towards the washroom and the air the flight attendant's like sorry are you about to go in there without your shoes on and I was like oh I guess I shouldn't. And she's like, you shouldn't. This is like a 12-hour flight. you know what's happened in there like, in the last 12 hours? And then I'm like, right, right. But I have Aww. taken my shoes off for sure on the plane. I I would not use my bare feet to uh, touch a screen. No, I'll
5: sometimes take my shoes off and then just place them on top of my shoes.
1: Like your feet? Just, yeah, just like, to let
5: them breathe a bit. If, you if, if I have feet the road to myself and they, I'm, and they don't feel too squishy or whatever. But what's that? Not, not right on the floor. Not bare feet on the floor
1: for Kelly? Sure.
6: Uh, All the times I traveled, I never went barefoot, I can uh, assure you of that. I'm like Jeff, every once in a while, like if it had been a real long road trip and we'd, you know, had to be in transit for, you know, like a couple, say, two flights in eight or ten hours or whatever, I'd rest the dogs a little bit. But uh, yeah, on top of my
1: shoes. (laughs) You guys are really polite. (laughs) Forge, you take your shoes off, right?
6: I'm a socks and shoes guy. I've
7: even worn socks and shoes to the beach. Oh, <laughs> oh I'm not even
0: kidding.
6: <laughs> <laughs> but how long so, are those you're socks? You're Mr. Bean, are you? <laughs> Let those toes get tickled by the sand a little. Well, yeah, when I'm going swimming, come on.
1: You come on. You don't wear socks and shoes to the beach. I've done it. I've done it. Oh, but how long oh, are the
7: socks? Oh, they weren't long.
1: They're ankle socks.
6: Okay, well, he...
1: black <laughs> socks
6: with <laughs> white runners. I can just see it now. <laughs> No, yeah, but uh, when it comes to airplane, I, I keep my.
1: Uh, I've taken off my shoes before. No but, way. But
7: but I've I've always have socks on. Seriously, and- am
1: I the only person that takes my shoes off and lets those feet hang out? Yes, my feet don't you stink. You are. Yeah, says, yeah, right. Says to everybody ya, to you. <laughs> I can't be the only
0: one. Uh, I, I for one second I could not imagine taking my shoes off on an airplane. Oh, because
1: That's, because uh, you think it's rude.
0: It's this would be the same as taking off your shoes in a restaurant. Let me guess, you do that too. Not that I'm enabling
6: this young woman. <laughs> she yeah, She does. <laughs> she does. She's so, guilty. does. so guilty. i so
1: guilty. I do like to sit with one foot she under my. Butt. Walks into five two nine yeah. and says,
5: "Where's your shoe check?" So I.
1: I think I probably have had my shoe off. I'm trying to think now. I just feel like it's something I like not intentionally kick them off, but like to be comfortable, one might a sandal might fall off. Yeah.
6: Kelly Moore. I, I was just gonna ask though <laughs> with this young lady who is uh, changing channels with her lower digits, they, do your feet go in any worse places than your hands might? No. Your feet, like, like, being honest about it? Like, hey, what's, your the feet, what's the difference between your ch- ch- changing your channels with their stink. toes and... Ch- well, <laughs> yeah, your ha- but
0: your, your
3: hands,
6: hands go
1: a lot more grosser places. Yeah, but at least I wash them, you know, like right. once an hour You whatever. wash
0: your hands more often because your hands go, I think, more places that are disgusting. But uh, at least your feet are wrapped in some sort of... You know, vessel—whether it's a shoe or a or a sock, <laughs> a, a sock
7: and a shoe—I don't uh, know. An old
0: shoe that never gets washed. Yeah, so that's see, your, that's the thing. What goes into every day. Yeah, you know. yeah, it's too funkified. It in depends. There. It's. It's gross. It can be.
1: As okay. I sit here and talk about how I like to take my shoes off on the plane, I do remember being on a flight with a friend and this we could it just something stunk, right? And we're sitting in our row and we're like, what is that smell? And we <laughs> and it was looked, your feet? We looked underneath <laughs> or, We looked underneath <laughs> the seat and this man behind us had like these old leather loafers with his feet on top of them, like his bare feet on top of them. And I was like, Oh my gosh, it's his feet. And we didn't say anything for the longest time. And then the flight attendant comes by and she passes the row. And then she, like, <laughs> comes back and kind of does a double back take. And she's like, oh. And then she looks at us and we're, like, did you. To get, did you and, out him? No, we didn't oh. say a word. And then she just leans over and she's like, would you guys like to move up? I'm no. like. Yes, please. <laughs> so, so I can see the point. You're quite I fine. Again, my feet don't think.
0: You're quite fine with people taking their shoes off that are sitting behind you then because it allows you to be. move up to first class. I guess I so an it, upgrade, yeah. I yeah, guess so. There, that's the moral of the story. 780-6868, send us your text messages. Do you take your shoes off in public? And do you scroll through your phone with your toes? <laughs> the answer is no, you do not. I will retweet. Well, now how do you know
6: that people don't do that? No,
0: they do 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 not a retweet. Send us us your
6: videos of that happening. uh,
0: GMACK WPG. I'm uh, retweeting it right now. Lots of text messages at seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. It's amazing how many people are up and their brains are working oh. at full throttle between six AM and seven. We're gonna have to keep up.
1: I can't. <laughs> it's summer. It's Tuesday. I say I say it's like it's Monday, but yeah.
0: Tuesday doesn't have a feel unless it's a Tuesday after a long weekend. Then I say it feels like a Wednesday or
1: a Monday. What's Tuesday Monday. after
0: a long anyway? Yeah, anyway. Hey, uh, thanks for the feedback on a bunch of different things we were talking about in the first hour, including uh some of the times that you remember and you celebrate as we uh on this fiftieth anniversary look back at Apollo eleven and its journey to the moon. Eight thirty-two local time will mark exactly fifty years to the moment that Apollo eleven began its journey towards the moon at least physically the journey began years before the years and years of preparation technologically and for the individuals uh, that were involved in the in the in the race to the moon mm-hmm. uh, obviously uh, that that was an extraordinary uh, amount of time effort and commitment to make that happen so we'll be discussing that throughout the week and as we head con- towards Saturday's uh, celebration of when, of, they, walked on of when the they walked on the yeah, moon
1: yeah and we're going to talk at 8:45 with a canadian who was pretty key in the heat shield... That went on mm. uh, the lunar landing, the lunar model. Uh, he's going to school me in all things space, I'm sure. But uh, he now lives in Houston, and he he was actually part of that whole brain drain that happened, so to speak, after Avro Aero shut down. They ended that whole project. It led to all sorts of job losses. And then there were a lot of Canadians with big brains that said, okay, well, let's go south to NASA. And guess what? They got to be part of a pretty incredible part in history, which, of course, was the Apollo moon landing. Uh, one of the... Other memories that's come up from people when they talk about things that they remember in history. We talked about the JFK assassination, of course, 9-11. John Lennon was another one. And even just Beatle memories themselves or memories of the Beatles.
0: First time I ever saw my dad cry. I uh, was listening to the radio and heard the news that John Lennon had been murdered. And I went downstairs to tell my dad. But, of course, he had already seen it on TV. And, uh uh, my grade six teacher, Jim Cornette, who lived down the street from me, was very sullen the next day just because of the generation mm-hmm. that uh, Mr. Cornette and my dad were. The Beatles were a big deal. In fact, we'd gone to the Brandon University Film Festival with my dad, my brother, and I just a couple of weeks before and seen A Hard Day's Night, and we were just getting into the Beatles uh, when John Lennon was assassinated in 1980. 1980, right? I want to say 1980. You're asking the wrong person. Well, anyway, uh, we'll double check that. We'd love
1: to hear more of your memories if you've got them. And then another great conversation we're going to have later in the show is about would you want to know whether or not you carried the gene? for dementia or
0: Alzheimer's. This, uh, based on a revelation yesterday announced at a conference in Chicago, Uh, researchers believe that they are on the verge of a blood test. That is about 88% accurate, whether or not you have Alzheimer's. We had that, survey last year that told us 60% or thereabouts of all Canadians would not want others to know if they were diagnosed with Alzheimer's, but would you want to know yourself if you were predisposed or at a higher risk of Alzheimer's? And uh, Dr. Ben Albenzi visited with uh, Julie and Will, who's filling in for Richard on the news, uh, at least he was yesterday. Uh, We'll play some of that conversation between Dr. Albenzi and the news uh, from yesterday.
1: If you know there's a cure, then it's good to have that information. When you don't know if you can be, if there's a cure, I don't know if I need to know something that can't be fixed yet.
0: It's a great question. I think it's a fantastic question. So we'll go down that as well. And one last thing before we move on to our next topic. Yes, we were getting at least a couple text messages. We were talking about the the woman on the airplane changing her screen with her toes, with her feet, and and, uh, people uh, with some humorous humorous responses with regards to taking off your shoes here, there, and anywhere. Uh, Yes, we understand there are some people on this planet who do not have the use of their arms or maybe don't have arms and and their feet are their hands. I I would hope that that goes without saying that we are not disparaging anyone that uh, is in a situation... like that. It's an extraordinary situation. And uh, we know that there are amazing folks that uh, conquer their their physical disabilities every single day. And we would never, ever Look down on them or or include them in a group of people who simply decide to use their feet out of laziness, uh, which was the case. If you want to see that video, I've tweeted it out, G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G on Twitter. Now, downtown was a big topic of conversation yesterday. Our question of the day, in fact, what would you like to see next in Winnipeg's downtown and the winner, almost by a landslide, we had one, two, three, four, five choices. 50% said more patios and people places. And our colleague, Hal Anderson, took up the conversation with Gino Distasio, urban planning at the University of Winnipeg, professor there, and also got your feedback. Here's a recap.
7: Well, it's a great question. You know, I think Winnipeggers would agree that over the last 15 years, our downtown has changed dramatically. I was just looking at the fact that, you know, Bell MTF Centre opened 15 years ago. We started work on the waterfront 15 years ago. What's next? That's that's, that's the hard part. You know, is it encouraging more uh, residential development downtown? Is it attracting more jobs? Is it attracting more affordable housing? Or are we trying to reimagine you know, downtown shopping and malls? But I think one gap, though, for sure, is uh, adding a, a major grocery store in the downtown proper, like into the Exchange or into the downtown, would be something that I think would be a, a great next step.
4: Um, I would like to see downtown closed to all uh, vehicle traffic and just have transit in and out, so it's more of a public space.
5: Everywhere it's, downtown? Another... Like, you, you said downtown, like, everywhere?
4: Well, Portage, Portage in Maine, uh, specifically Portage, it's worked in other cities and just have transit coming in and out or a shuttle, a large outdoor, uh, a large parkade uh, just outside it. And then you have the, the perfect mix of people coming downtown.
7: The
2: biggest parkade in Canada would be in Winnipeg, somewhere downtown.
5: A parkade. That's that's what you'd like to see downtown. Well, parking parking is... somewhere. I hear you.
2: I am driving around and around and around looking for a parking spot. And if I can't find a parking spot, I keep going. And every business downtown knows that there's an
3: issue with parking. I've
7: worked downtown. I've been working downtown for over 10 years now. I grew up going downtown and... Um, You know, we're just sadly lacking some shopping down there. Um, On lunchtime, I remember being able to run over to City Place or Portage Place, and there were actually some places there where men and women could shop. Um, Now there's just some, you know, youth stores, like the junior stores are in Portage Place, and uh, there's absolutely nothing in um city place now to shop um i'd like to see a, a major store downtown like a winner's uh marshall's downtown uh, a large anchor store that maybe people wouldn't mind uh sticking around downtown after work uh for a couple of hours and uh, and do a little bit of shopping maybe the store only stays open till eight o'clock but i mean that's more than what we have now
2: I'm headed downtown. less pay by phone
5: less pay by phone
2: like they seem to be, they seem to be. Uh, all the millennials do everything by phone, so let's put everything on phone. My eighty-seven-year-old father has given up going downtown
7: because of that. Could add some grocery stores downtown, and uh, I think that would push people to move downtown and right. uh, perhaps more condos and apartments. I know that uh, Portage Place, they're talking about potentially selling it and turning right. it into residential space. Yeah. I think that could be an effective way to uh, further develop our downtown.
0: All right. We will leave that question of the day up for just a little while longer. Go to CGOB.com. Question of the day brought to you by Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace, 204-832-6243. What would you like to see next in Winnipeg's downtown? <laughs> Mackling and McNabb with you on this Tuesday morning, I almost said Monday, we are learning this morning about an incident at HSC that has the union representing security guards at the hospital warning they may have hit a new low when it comes to just how much violence they are seeing, Loren,
1: We're talking about a gun pulled and potentially pointed at guards over this past weekend. Michelle Goronsky is the president of MGEU and joins us now. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning. If you can, just tell us what you know about what happened.
4: Uh, From what I'm understanding is that uh, this is the first time a code silver has ever been called at HSC. It's the first time that uh, security officers have ever had a gun pointed at them. Uh, Although they have removed many guns and other weapons from people in the past from the hospital, this is the first time it uh, it became this close.
1: I'm familiar with the phrase code white, which we've learned code white calls are on the rise, which is also when an employee might feel that they're in a stressful situation or a rising violent situation and so they issue a code white you said code silver michelle
4: that's my understanding and and i've never heard of it before i worked in healthcare for 33 years and never heard of a code silver in my understanding from the officers this is something new that has been around now a couple of years and it is just because of the weapons and and what is happening what's what is coming into our hospital
0: so how do you have how uh, to your knowledge what happened how did, was this handled
4: well, I mean from, you know from what, I'm saying, what what I've been told, and these security officers, these heroes, as far as I'm concerned, they did everything that they could to ensure that the hospital was kept safe. Um, they removed the person that had the gun away from children's hospital. They got them away from the hospital and out of an area where they could be hurting anyone in the hospital. Um, you know, they put the hospital into lockdown, and they kept the staff and the patients safe, exactly what they are paid to do.
0: Michelle, I know that uh, the the access to Health Sciences Centre is limited uh, at different hours. They've started closing uh, different entrances around the hospital uh, at different hours of the day. I don't know if that's a new thing or not, but I was just there last week, and it was something that I don't think I'd noticed before, a sign saying that these doors will be closed. Is this something that is happening more often?
4: Yes. Yes, it is with the 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 violence on the job, and what is happening there at, at the you know the latest incident at ATSC, um, management there is, is realizing that this is getting worse, not better, and they're taking these measures. Um, you know it's important that the hospital security have the, the tools and the authority they need to be able to do the job that they get paid to do to keep everyone safe. We've been advocating for years now this government, the management of the 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 WRHA now shared health, they need to move quickly to give hospital security officers, you know, the the legal status so they can do what they need to do without fear of repercussions and make sure that the safety in our hospitals is there. When we go there with our family, with our children, we go there to, to be treated for health reasons. You know, we expect that there's a level of safety, especially in a hospital and those areas. And to be able to maintain that, these heroes, these security officers, they need the authority to be able to do it.
1: We have reached out to the WRHA and Shared Health for comment on this incident to get their perspective in terms of what happened and how it was handled and if any changes might be coming as a result of this potential gun being pointed at guards over the weekend. But, Michelle, they have said in the past that your security guards, your your members have the powers to do their job, that they can intervene when necessary, and they have the authority to do so. And it still sounds like there's a bit of a—is it a gray area or just a— misunderstanding or what would you call it if they say one thing and you're still saying we need to do more and give more powers to the guards? Well,
4: you know, it it's I think it's more than a gray area. I think they're, you know, they, the officers do not legally, they, they are, they have just as much authority, Lauren, as you and I do. They don't have the legal authority to be able to do what they need to do to keep the patient's families safe. They don't have the legal authority to arrest people. They don't have, you know, that, that ability to do it. And, uh, you know... Which, com- would, there, which to fix there, that,
1: would need a change in the law, correct?
4: It, it would. You know, the government would need to go back. They'd need to give these folks the police officers authority. They'd be able... They'd have to give them the authority to be able to do their job and keep people safe.
1: And we haven't moved that needle on that conversation any farther?
4: Not at all. Mich- well, not at all.
0: Michelle, the idea of police officers in emergency rooms, I, it was something that, that I think was... Commonplace at HSC years ago, it went away. Is it time to reinvestigate and, and request that help?
4: Well, you know, the problem is getting worse, Greg. It's not getting better. Everyone knows that, anyone that has anything to do with it. And, uh, you know, the people that are expected to provide the safety that we rely on for the safety, when you see a security officer in the uniform walking around HSC, we all have that sense of comfort that they're there and they're able to look after us. They'll, those folks. Those heroes, the officers, need to have the authority and need to know that they are able to be able to provide the safety for patients, families, and staff. They just need the authority to do that. This needs to be recognized, you know, and this is something that could have been 10 times worse on Saturday. The fact that these officers acted quickly, calmly, knew what they were doing, acted professional. It just shows the, the, you know, the magnitude of, the, of what they've got inside, like you know, the, the, what they are able to do for us. And I can't say it enough. As far as I'm concerned, these are heroes that are out there, and they are providing our safety. Now let's recognize that and give them the authority to be able to continue to do it. Michelle Goronsky
1: is president of MGEU. Thank you for this, Michelle.
0: Tuesday morning. It's the start. I'm Greg. She is Lorraine. And McNabb, uh, you weren't born yet, but I was eight, eh, about 65 days old on this day in 1969 when Apollo 11 left Earth bound for the moon.
1: Incredible day. Incredible pictures even looking back at it now to think what we accomplished 50 years ago. And what's so fascinating out of it is that there were so many Canadians that were part of Apollo that that I actually didn't know the, the connection that Canada really had to this mission. And we want to bring in our next guest. He has an interesting story because he was con, he was one of those people who was part of the Avro Aero program decades ago, and then when it got canceled, that would have been considered a huge. Disappointing, awful. I've heard some people refer to it as sort of like a Black Friday situation, just terrible. And then NASA came calling. Dr. Brian Erb was actually part of an eight-person team that laid the concepts for several key elements of the Apollo aircraft, and he joins us now by phone from Houston. Good morning, Dr. Erb.
3: Good morning.
1: Brian, you've had a remarkable career, and I want to get to what you did on Apollo in a moment, but can you take us back first to the day you learned the Avro Aero program uh, was shut down and in theory you were out of a job.
3: Absolutely out of a job. It's one of those uh, startling events in one's life that you sort of never forget. And it was done in a very impersonal way. Uh, The chief engineer from the Avro Aero program came on the public address system in the uh, factory and said, in effect, uh, as of today, all employment is canceled. Don't call us. We will call you. You can come in next Monday uh, during a certain time window, and uh, pick up your personal belongings. Uh, goodbye and good luck, kind of thing. And that was <laughs> so. Needless to say, we were all rather shocked and uh, and when he, oh boy, what what next? So yes. Uh,
0: well, the CF 105, as it was known, was destined to become one of the world's premier airplanes and so clearly Canada had a lot of expertise in aerospace so what was the next step how long was it before you realized you might have another option Dr. Herb
3: well it was about a month as I recall um I rather promptly got out on the sidewalks of Toronto and started looking for other um jobs that I might get I had a a uh toddler and a brand new infant daughter so um, you know putting food on the table was a a serious concern and um, my job search in Toronto didn't yield very much but um, fortunately Avro had had some connections with the research people down at the Langley Research Center who were doing Project Mercury and when they heard of the availability of a rather large number of engineers who had aerospace experience they uh, contacted the company and basically said, well, send us the resumes of people that you think might uh, fit the following uh, technical um, talent slots. And the company did. And um, then a group of very senior people from the Langley Research Center and the um, organization was called the Space Task Group, which ran uh, Project Mercury. Um, These folks came up to Toronto and the company made available an interview room, and they talked with us. And the upshot was that they interviewed, uh, oh, I think about three or four hundred people, but uh, they selected forty of us, and I was amongst the fortunate ones to be offered a job at uh, Space Task Group.
1: Fortunate's so you- one word, Brian. I think it, you know, if it, just within years from that, you're part of the a team that helps put man into space and onto the moon. Uh, Tell us a bit about your work on, is it the heat shield? Is that one of your primary roles?
3: Yeah, that was my primary, baby. Uh, The advent, they put, uh, let me back up a bit, Uh, Space Task Group saw fairly soon, about the spring of 60, that uh, Project Mercury is going to go okay. We would put a man in orbit, but that we would probably be behind the Russians. And so they started saying, well, what do we do next? What can we do to leapfrog the, uh, the Soviets? And they established what was called the Advanced Vehicles Team, which was charged with thinking up what was going to be the next project. And this was, I think, May of 1960 that that was constituted.
1: How casually he's putting this. You know, it's just my job to make sure basically everybody doesn't burn, right? I mean, it's, it's a simple way to put it.
3: That's the bottom line. <laughs>
0: And, of course, uh, we know that that became a, a huge issue with regard to the space shuttle and uh, and its ultimate uh, problems uh, coming back to Earth. Uh, and so w- when you look back on this, and unfortunately we're, we're running out of time with you here, Brian, but when you look back on this and, and this day 50 years ago, where were you when Apollo 11 uh, was launched?
3: Well, I was in my... Um living room with some friends who might have invited over to watch the landing on a new TV it was the first uh, big screen color TV we we ever owned and so i was in in our living room and we were watching the uh, landing take place and these guys landed on the surface and i should uh, should say that uh, my job by that time had not been was not no longer the spacecraft side of things but i was managing the lunar receiving laboratory where the rocks were going to come back to and be examined and um, so at that time I had an interest in the rocks, now that we'd gotten safely to the moon. So these guys got out on out of the limb and started cavorting around the surface of the moon, happily enjoying one sixth gravity, as you may remember, leaping around and having a good time. And I was shouting at the T V, Quit jumping around and pick up the damn rocks.
2: <laughs>